Hello, everyone. Welcome back to Astrology Now podcast. My name is Christine Rodriguez, and I am so excited to introduce an amazing guest yet again on this podcast. His name is Yogi Baba Prem. He is a master Vedic counselor. He's been recognized as a Yogacharya and has invested so much of his life into investigating and learning ancient knowledge through the Vedas, through Jyotish, Vedic astrology, Ayurveda, yoga, Kundalini, you name it. He's just a wealth of knowledge. And something that I love about him is that he can really demonstrate and verbalize just how potent the planetary influences are throughout our day and really how planetary energy actually permeates, you know, all of existence. And you can find this in his book, Introduction to Astrological Yoga. Um, he talks about it quite a bit. And so I don't know why I'm still talking because you have an entire interview with him. So I'm going to play a brief interlude and then you will hear our conversation and I'll close up at the end. I really hope that you enjoy the segment as much as I did. So hello. Hey, how are you? I'm doing well. How are you? I'm very well. Thank you. Good. And so it's actually really interesting how I found you. I found you on Twitter through David Frawley, and I was really impressed with how you discussed the Vedas and related the information to modern day. And so a lot of people listening may not even know what the Vedas are. So would you be willing to kind of give us some information? Sure. The Vedas are extremely old teachings. Um, the academic position is that they came into written form around 1500 BCE or sometime around that period. There's not a lot of um, evidence to actually support that. It's more speculative than factual. But it is acknowledged that there was a long oral tradition prior to them being recorded in their present form. So within tradition, these teachings, and these teachings are largely mantra. There's four Vedas. There's the Rig Veda, the Sama Veda, the Yajur Veda, and the Atharva Veda. Um, the traditional view would be that these teachings go back to possibly the end of the last ice age. Again, this is very difficult to prove, but something interesting is there was some calculations done by a professor, Subhash Kak. He's a mathematician, I believe. And within the Vedas, you'll see uh, certain references to a solstice or an equinox, and this planet's here, and this nakshatra, and this planet is here, and this nakshatra. And you can go in and, you know, do calculations in Vedic astrology software to see when these planets were in those locations. Wow. And the dates that he came up with, with some of these, was about 6500 BCE. So that would indicate that possibly portions of the Vedas would date back to about 8500 years ago. Wow. The Vedas are largely text of mantra especially the Rig Veda, which is the oldest. So it has over 10,000 mantras that are contained within it. And it has references to Surya, which would be the sun, and Chandra, and Soma, which would be references to the moon. 
And the Atharva Veda has quite a few references to planets. So I guess when we're talking about the Vedas, it would be true to say that these are the oldest spiritual teachings that are still practiced uh, to this day. But the true antiquity of them is not known uh, as far as a rock-hard date. Yeah, it's so amazing. And so was it that studying the Vedas got you interested in astrology, or were you always interested in astrology before getting into the Vedas? Um, I really started out with yoga, in particular kundalini yoga, and was very focused on it. I moved into raja yoga as I started to expand my understanding, and eventually that led me to Ayurveda. Mm -hmm. I didn't really have an interest in Jyotish and didn't plan on studying it, but as I started to move into the study of the Vedas, I felt that the study of Jyotish or Vedic astrology would round out my knowledge better. And ironically, I spend more time involved in Jyotish with people than I do with Ayurveda, and uh, probably secondary to that would be yoga and different facets of yoga. But of course, I integrate all of them together nowadays. Mm -hmm. So uh, Jyotish or Vedic astrology is very much a part of my yoga teachings, as is Ayurveda and yoga and uh, Vedic astrology is very much a part of Ayurveda for yeah. me. Okay, yeah. And so in your book, you were discussing how different herbs and scents actually could be applied to Jyotish as well. And you seriously, you incorporate astrology into so many facets of our life, or you demonstrate how astrology can be interwoven into so many facets of our life. And so can you comment on that? Well, you know, as, as you get into the Vedas, you see that there's a tremendous amount of overlap. So Within the Rig Veda, we have a lot of devas that are referenced, and that's poorly translated as gods and goddesses. And sometimes that turns people off. Mm. But the word deva actually means a point of light. So within this greater field of consciousness, um, these points of light emerge that are consciousness themselves, and they perform particular functions and roles. That's one way that we can look at the devas. And it has a very practical application. So as I studied these devas, I realized that the devas are connected with our organs and our body. They're connected with our overall health and well-being. I realized that the planets are indicators of karmas with organs and our body and our overall health. Yeah. And that the devas are connected with the planets and with the nakshatras and things of that nature. So you you start to realize that it's a very comprehensive and complete system when you integrate all the pieces together. For instance, many people are not aware that an Ayurvedic practitioner may consult a Vedic chart to examine a disease or a disease process. The Vedic chart will indicate how long this disease might last or when there's greater potential to healing or bringing the body back into balance, which can open the door for healing. But um, what we also see in the tradition is, uh, relative to your question that you ask, we see that there was philosophies toward when you would collect herbs for healing. For instance, if we're looking at chili peppers, I used to live in New Mexico, and we loved our chili peppers out there. And... Um, 
the best peppers are picked around noontime or in the middle of the day because the sun is at its highest, the energies of the sun are at their strongest, and the pepper is, as, is at its height in producing the essential oils and the other chemicals uh, within the pepper. So that would be considered the highest quality pepper that you could get. And they also did some studies in Ayurveda with ashwangada, and uh, they were looking at lunar cycles with it and uh, harvesting during the full moon and the new moon. Yeah. And what they found was that the chemical structure was a little bit more rich when they would harvest during the new moon or the full moon. And that's perfectly in line with the teachings. They were very oriented toward that. Additionally, Ayurveda would use mantras to particular planets to strengthen up the vibration within that planet or within the herb. Uh, or what that herb was trying to counter. So we see a rich interaction between herbs, aromas, uh, plants, and planets. And I think that this is an area of astrology that is still waiting to be discovered by many people. Yeah. And I think that we need that discovery to happen because we have a more complete system and it opens up new doorways for astrologers to interact with people. And what I loved about the Vedic system was it was so proactive. You know, everything we're looking at in the Vedas is modification of karma. We're reading karma on a chart, and we're looking for remedials to see if this karma can be modified. And I really found that to be much more enriching than sometimes when I would go see an astrologer. They'd go, it's your Saturn, just grin and bear it, and it'll be over with at some point. I really liked the self-empowerment aspect mm -hmm. that uh, was present within the Vedic tradition. Yeah. And so something kind of leaning off of that that you did mention at the beginning of your book that I really liked is you were discussing how you might explain how astrology works to somebody. And I feel like that that is something that if you follow astrology or if you don't follow astrology, we could all appreciate hearing. Would you mind sharing, like in your own words, how you would explain how astrology works? Well, how I approach it is, especially with the book, is the planets, everything external is a reflection of our internal being. Mm -hmm. So if we can learn to read the external, we can gain understanding of our internal world. And that's really the crux of what they were trying to do with astrology. So if we're looking, for instance, at Saturn and the placement of Saturn in our birth chart, it's not that Saturn is hammering us, so to speak, because Saturn gets vilified quite a bit, even though there's some very positive sides to Saturn. Yeah. <laughs> um, but uh, it's not Saturn that's hammering us. Saturn indicates a very powerful karma that is present uh, in our lives. So the approach that I always take with people is we're trying to understand your karma. We're trying to understand the lessons that you incarnated in this world to uh, learn and to understand, and we're trying to find solutions to resolve those karmas as quickly as we can. 
with the understanding that some karmas are very difficult to resolve and some karmas won't budge, they're going to require that you go through a very lengthy process. Um, but that's the explanation I give, or it seems to be one that people can resonate to, and it is the truth about what we're doing. So um, that's the approach I take. Yeah, that's amazing. I mean, just being open and receptive to the world around you. I mean, with astrology, with symbols, with sound, I mean, everything, the world is constantly communicating to us. And I think that that's, again, something that I really appreciate about your writing is it's just so interwoven into the, the fabric of life, which is what it is. That's the reality of it. <laughs> and, and that really is the Vedic tradition. I mean, you've summed it up beautifully. It, there's not this sense of separateness from nature. It's this interconnectedness. And I think that that's what a lot of people are looking for spiritually. And to give a modern example of this, but I've had a great deal of difficulty getting people to talk about this, was... Prior to this, uh, in the early stages of this pandemic and before the pandemic that is occurring, um, a very interesting phenomena started to occur, and that was around the nakshatra or lunar mansion of Ardra. Mm -hmm. yes. And this was Betelgeuse was going through a dimming cycle. And it had astronomers talking a lot about it. Nobody could figure out what was going on with it. They were worried or concerned that it might be getting ready to go supernova uh, much earlier than had been predicted. Um, no one was sure. There were wild theories. It was dust clouds. It was ejections coming out of it. As astrologers, we don't have to have a telescope to where we can study Betelgeuse. Yeah. What we can do is we can take that information and recognize that we're talking about Ardra in the heavens, and this has a profound connection with Shiva, and Ardra can be a hard nakshatra. It can indicate hard things that we uh, may be going through. And when we see a shifting of its energies, which is indicated by a dimming and a brightening of the light, this is something, it, it, the heavens are telling us that something is getting ready to happen or will be manifesting or uh, we may be going through something. And of course, this dimming uh, with ardor happened a long, long time ago because of uh, how long it takes light to get here. But it's arriving at the perfect time if you believe in the harmony of the universe and the interconnected of ev uh, interconnectedness of everything. So I tried to get astrologers, especially Vedic astrologers, to talk about that. Nobody would touch it. Interesting. Nobody would come near it. And yet to this day, I still believe that this was a significant modern day event that is not getting the attention that is warranted um, from the astrology community. So I'm hoping that maybe people will hear uh, your podcast and it'll spark some interest and they'll go look at charts and they'll think about what was going on and maybe see the chart in a different aspect. Because when we look at ancient people, they were out looking at the heavens. Yeah. And one of the problems that we face in modern astrology is we don't do that anymore. We look at a computer screen and look at how a chart's generated and do our reading. 
So we've kind of lost that component of the the shifts of light, the brightening, the dimming, and that deep connection with the heavens. So I hope that astrologers will start to go outside more and look up at the heavens and identify the planets and the stars and start to develop that connection and start to read the heavens differently. Absolutely. Yeah. And I mean, it's so fascinating because as someone who studies astrology, I know that Ardra is a tough nakshatra. You're like, you know, you're taught that. And you open up Parashara's Light, which is the program that astrologers use, right? And we see that Rahu is coming into Ardra. But it's not like we're going outside every night to study the stars in the way that we used to. And like you were just mentioning, really creating that energetic connection and understanding. But I mean, I had never heard that. So hopefully other people do hear this and become interested. That's such an amazing bit of information. It's one of the most difficult things I've tried to talk with people about. I mean, I posted it on numerous Vedic astrology forums, and virtually nobody would touch it. Hmm. And But I, one person did touch it. They talked like you about Rahu and uh, Ketu and things of that nature. Um, but nobody would go out on that limb. And I was really out there on the limb saying, come on out, let's, let's explore this and investigate it. Let's yeah. really start to look at what's going on here. But unfortunately, there were few takers for that. Yeah, well, hey, I'm, I'm in. I'm going to be doing some research after this. I'm definitely fascinated. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. And so, you know, going in a little bit of a different direction, you are a Vedic counselor. Mm-hmm. And so with your work as a Vedic counselor, can you tell us what that looks like? Well, primarily what I'm trying to do is introduce the Vedas and the Vedic teachings to a larger group of people okay. and to help them to work with these layers of consciousness. For instance, if we take Agni, Agni's commonly translated as fire. Well, unless you have a fireplace or you go camping or you have a gas stove, fire doesn't have a lot of relevance anymore for a lot of the population in the West. Mm -hmm. And yet Agni is very, very important. So from an Ayurvedic standpoint, we explore Jathar Agni, which is our digestive fire. That is the key to health, and it's still part of Agni. We explore Mano Agni, which is the... Uh, fire of the mind. This is how we digest information that we take in through the senses. And we start off with basic mantras on Agni. We might do Om Agnaye Namaha while we're lighting a candle or a ghee lamp. Um, That might evolve into pujas or things of that nature. Then uh, Vedic counseling can move into various forms of meditations and mantras for healing, for well-being, for spiritual growth, um, things of that nature. But again, I think that these are things that uh, the Vedic astrologers should be doing as well. Yeah. Certainly it's important to tell people if they're going to meet that loved one of their life and when that might happen and are they going to get a raise, you know, all the questions you see on social media. Those are important to people, but there's this whole other area that we can explore and be of service to people by helping them to deepen their relationship with the devas. If we can understand our relationship with the devas, we eventually understand that we're one with the devas. So by understanding 
our relationship and this oneness with the devas, we understand facets of ourselves. If we can understand these facets with ours, within ourselves, we become empowered in positive ways relative to our spirituality, and then we realize that the devas are one with what they would call in Hinduism the Godhead or Brahman. Well, yeah. And if the devas are one with Brahman and we're one with the devas, then hopefully we will eventually arrive at the conclusion that we are one with Brahman as well. And that's the ultimate um, self-empowerment, or we might use words such as enlightenment or self-realization. We realize our true identity, uh, which ultimately would be Brahman from the Vedic perspective. Okay, so beautiful, yeah. And you can, can like correct me if I'm wrong, some of this work that you're doing, it involves mantras, you may tell people to do certain yoga practices or kundalini mm -hmm. practices, mantras, and sometimes those mudras or mantras may be uh, planetary or related to astrological energy. Is that true? That, oh, that's very true. Okay. Most people don't realize that most of the mudras, well, I think it'd be more correct to say most of the mudras always have a planetary connection to them. If we bring our index finger and thumb tip together, this is called Gyan Mudra. When I want to make the astrological point, I call it Jupiter Mudra yeah. uh, to try and emphasize that with people. But we're bringing the moon and Jupiter together. We're creating a, a current for Jupiter and, mood, uh, uh, and the moon. So Jupiter and the moon certainly can increase health because Jupiter is the significator of health and the moon is the mind. So this is why this is one of the fundamental mudras that people begin with um, in their study and practice of yoga, yet they're never aware that there's this astrological component that they're tapping into. Yeah, yeah. So that's why I'm so excited about astrological yoga, because I think it's a very exciting field for people. When we bend forward in a forward bend, if we center the stretch between the knee and the ankle, that has an effect on the Muladhara Chakra and Saturn. If the, there, there'll be a stretch down the thigh, but if you pull your toes back, the stretch is concentrated more between the knee and the ankle. If we push our toes forward, the stretch is centered more between the hip and the knee. That works on Svadhisthana, the second chakra, and has an effect on Jupiter. So even as we're doing these asanas, we're actually being exposed to this astrological yoga aspect without even knowing it. People tend to just think about Surya Namaskars or sun salutations and we don't realize that these qualities permeate all of yoga. When you do an alternative nostril breathing, you're working with the sun and the moon. Yeah. So yoga is filled with um, uh, these astrological references, these astrological effects. I think on Facebook, a while back, I put up a post explaining that when you're standing, your third eye, your Ajna Chakra, is a solar point. And back at the back of your head, the medulla oblongata is a lunar point. So you have the sun at your forehead, and you have the moon 
at the base of the brain, the brain stem. If you go into a shoulder stand, something amazing happens. Those polarities reverse. The lunar force comes forward to the Ajna Chakra, and the solar energy pulls back to the medulla oblongata. And the byproduct of all of that is tremendous rejuvenation uh, for the mind and the body. That's one of the big benefits of a shoulder stand. Of course, people need to be careful with shoulder stands if they have neck injuries or uh, aggravations around their neck. But it's fascinating that shift in polarity by using an asana. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and, and just how active planetary energy is in our body. And I think that some yep. of us don't realize that we literally, like when they say that the cosmos are within us, it's literal. <laughs> like yes. Amongst our chakras, it's all associated to individual planetary influences. Yes. And you can really tap into that with yoga and mudras, but it's so helpful to have a teacher and a guide who can really help you utilizing Vedic astrology and Ayurveda holistically. It's such an incredible practice and work to do. It's a very potent combination. Yes. And I know that you committed to 25 minutes, and so you've been so generous with your time. Thank you so much. Well, and, go ahead. Thank you so much for having me. I hope that everyone listening uh, enjoyed this. I hope it inspires them to explore these different aspects of astrology. Oh, yes, absolutely. I don't see how it couldn't. But, and so your book, once again, is an introduction to astrological yoga, which I personally recommend. And then where can, other, like, where can everyone find you? Well, the best place is to go to our website, which is vedicpath.com. That's V-E-D-I-C-P-A-T-H.com. We have a ton of blog articles on the Vedas. Uh, we have some on Ayurveda, a few on Jyotish, and it's consistently growing. Uh, so you can get a lot of wonderful content there. We have some free videos, and of course, uh, you'll find a selection of my books that are available for download as well. Perfect. Okay. Well, I really appreciate it. It was so great to talk to you. Thank you so much. Thank you. Namaskar. Namaste. Thank you so much for joining me on yet another beautiful interview. I hope that it resonated with you and inspired you as much as it did with me. So if you would like to learn more about Yogi Baba Prim or schedule a consultation with him, which he offers, you can go to his website, vedicpath.com. And then of course, as always, if you would like to schedule a reading with me, you can email me at astrologynowpodcast at gmail.com. You can visit my website, innerknowing.yoga. Please Please follow my Instagram, astrologynow underscore podcast, and on Twitter, astrologynow underscore. And please be sure to look in the description box for this podcast to find all of this information written out in case you forget or get tricked up on the spelling. So you'll be able to find all the information on Yogi Baba Prim as well. Again, my name is Christine Rodriguez. This is Astrology Now. Thank you so much. Mm -hmm.